And welcome to another episode of The Broom Boys, brought to you by Buddy and Guy. I'm Guy. And I'm Buddy. What's up, folks? I hope you're having a great week. We've had we've had an awesome week. And last week we had a kind of a, a dead slow news week. And they delivered this week, you know? Oh yeah, the the internet every day there was a new story, some of them related to the others, some of them completely independent, but yeah, we've got a lot of news uh to go over with you today and then once the news is over with, we will bridge into our topic, which will be our weekly topic for the next couple of months worth of episodes now because we finally have the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars. And one of the big questions that we had was, are they going to release the whole series at once or are they going to do one episode a week? And they're doing one episode a week for the next uh, the next couple of months. And so we will have lots of Star Wars to talk about on a weekly basis. Brand new things that we will be seeing for the first time alongside of you. And we will be discussing every episode in detail right here on the Broom Boys. Uh, You're going to get our reactions of the premiere. Yeah, get our reactions. We want your reactions. It, yes, your reactions at uh, at Broom Boys at Broom underscore Boys on Twitter is where you can uh, tweet at us, and we will certainly tweet back. Questions, comments, show suggestions, hit us up. Definitely, definitely. So let's get into this news. Let's get into the news because uh, it, it's it's like we said, good or like I said, good news. Lots of lots it. of news. Lots of good news. So the first one. What do we got? I'll take us there, bud. You you have the right. list in front of you. Well, I'm looking at on my list. I got uh, we got Cal from Fallen Order. Uh, they're teasing with some live show kind of uh, cameo. I don't know if it's going to be cameos or I mean I don't think they're going to give him a live action show. I really don't. Uh, well, so Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order, from the video game, the smash hit uh, video game that I loved and you loved. Uh, so he might be appearing on live action shows, presumably on Disney+. Plus. Um, I think it's great. I don't think it's an accident that they went with a actor and kept his features and his face and his voice and, and all that stuff because, yes, that does make it for an easy way to translate that character over into the live-action scene. Uh, and Obi-Wan happens right about he's the great. same time. He's great. Obi-Wan, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that occur like right at the same time that the games are going on? I mean... Within ten years, sure, there would there would definitely be Obi Wan would be the logical place for him to show up for sure. Um, I mean, Maul would be another possible episode or show that he could uh, that he could pop into. But yeah, Obi Wan would definitely be a logical choice for sure. I I will also as we come down like or as we get down to the very end of it, the our towards the end of our news, I I. I'll pause it another guess because I, I feel like you'll go along the little roller coaster ride and down the rabbit hole with me and we'll see what comes out the other side. But for now, let's let's just shelve that. We may see Calcastus on some live action shows. We'll see what that what that exactly means or how that shapes up. But we got the sequel coming too to the games, and that's that's not 
a little deal either. No, that's a huge deal. Uh, Star Wars games, I mean, they typically do get sequels or get full series. Um, I don't know. I mean, Battlefront 2 is... I mean, yes, you could say it's a sequel, but it's more of a rehash uh, of, you know, same concept, same kind of battles, updated graphics with a, with a campaign thrown in this time. Because, of course, we can't forget that, you know, a while ago, back when the Battlefront games were first being released, uh, that we also had an original Battlefront and an original Battlefront 2. Um, you know, we've had Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Knight Dark Academy. Um, you know, there's all sorts of sequels. So this game getting a sequel should be an absolute no-brainer. They found a very winning formula uh, making like a <sighs> Sekiro slash Tomb Raider slash a little bit of Dark Souls maybe thrown in there elements. Um, yeah, or what was that other new game that kind of came out after Dark Souls? The uh, oh. Sekiro is yeah, the Sekiro, one I said it, it already. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's It's all right. right. It's all right. If you haven't figured it out by now, uh, Guy and I live on opposite sides of the country, but we've been friends for 20 years, and uh, so we record over the internet. So sometimes our internet connection can F us in the A, uh, and it just did right there because he didn't uh, he didn't hear everything I said. Yeah, it likes to plug me regularly. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but hey, so speaking of live action shows, here's here's another live action show rumor not connected to any current shows so mm-hmm. far, but apparently they are thinking about doing a show based on Grand Admiral Thrawn. Ooh, I saw that. This is a this is a brand new bit of news. Which is anybody who knows even the EU or the the current galaxy. I mean that that's uh, exciting bit of news, definitely. Yeah, and a more deserving character uh, getting his own show doesn't exist. Thrawn is an amazing, amazing character created by the equally amazing Timothy Zahn, and so to yeah, for him to get a live action treatment would just be incredible. Now, oh, we'll go into that some other time um, because it, no. It does, what, what were you gonna say? Color well, me, color me interested. What were you gonna say? Uh, see, because there's a lot of the these these characters, imperial characters, things like that. Now, Thrawn, I mean, he was he was in the original. Was it the original trilogy? No, Thrawn was in the Which books, um, the Last Command trilogy. Uh, okay. The 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 uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but yeah, he was introduced in a in a in a trilogy of books by Timothy Zahn. But okay. he was in he was made a character and therefore made canon by Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Most recently. Now and and he he's obviously he's not a good guy. I'm not sure that you would want to classify him as either good or bad he's a chiss and yes he serves the empire but mostly i think he serves his own interests as long as i think the empire's interests align with his he's an interesting character he's He's pretty complicated yeah and and which 
it's the fun part. I mean, I it's one of the ones I guess that's why like I I never really got into Suicide Squad or I mean Deadpool was about as far as I ever uh, Venom the furthest I ever got went with the whole anti-hero thing. I mean Boondock Saints I suppose, but I don't know if there was much anti-hero as much vigilante in that movie. Um, yeah, they're definitely vigilantes. Um, so it's like I, 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 and I can appreciate those films for what they are, but it's like I question just how easily you can can like I mean, without having any redeeming qualities, how where these some of the shows will go and. I don't know how much interest I I personally have because that one of my favorite parts about Star Wars is always, you know, was and has been kind of what I guess Zahn always said was the good guy always kind of triumphing and 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 winning in the end. I mean, okay, we can have a big long debate about whether or not to classify Thrawn as a good or bad guy. Um, you know, when he Yes, he serves the Empire. So, I mean, if you want to say under every technical, Empire equals evil. No, I don't want to Thrawn say that. Equals bad guy. I mean, I don't know, but he's he's a he's a great character. Um, and maybe the show will be about his time with the Chiss Empire. Maybe it'll just be 100% exclusively before he's discovered by the Empire. I, I'm... Right, it could be. I'm curious to see where they'll go. I just, I just, I wonder, and just because that's me, I, I'm not going to say that other people don't have that leaning. That Suicide Squad was a successful movie, I believe, right? Or did it bomb? It, it made a lot of money. It I thought it did is, well. It is a decent Spawned Harley movie Quinn to stuff. watch. Um, I really, when they cast Will Smith as Deadshot, I wasn't sold. But then his performance of Deadshot, he did a very good job. Nailed uh, right? And, I mean, Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie's character in the movie, um, obviously just got a sequel in the theaters with the Birds of Prey, which is not, apparently it's a good movie, but not making a whole lot of money. Um. But everybody I've spoken to who has seen the movie has loved it. So it might just be a timing slash marketing thing. I mean, they even went so far as to rename the movie from the, uh, I think they called it Birds of Prey or the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn to just, I think it's Harley Quinn Birds of Prey now is what it's called, maybe. I think I remember that that it was that long title, and actually I was kind of intrigued by the title when I originally heard it. But hey, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. But hey, another Suicide Squad movie is in the works with some of the original cast returning and some not. Um, James Gunn of Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy fame is writing, directing it, and if uh, you're wondering. When we're going to see Guardians 3, as soon as he's done with Suicide Squad, he's going right to work on Guardians 3. So that's the whole reason we haven't had any news on that front yet is because he's still busy making Suicide Squad, which he got after he was fired by Disney because of tweets he made 15 years ago. Um, But then they hired him back. And we'll go more over all that. 
Oh, I was going to say, we'll go over that in our, our movie cast that you guys will be able to follow here soon. Um, yeah, here soon. Here soon. We'll we'll touch on that at some point eventually. Maybe Only because I want to get to some of the more fun, more fun, exciting news and then really get into this episode one because it was that was it was exciting in itself. Yeah. All right. So what's our next uh, what's our next piece of news? Uh, Rise. Rise of Skywalker is coming home. Yes. Well, I mean, that's not news. We knew it was coming home eventually sooner or later. Uh, but we actually got firm release dates for both digital and physical, correct? That Yep, we got March 17th for the digital, the 31st for the physical, and confirmation there is, there will be no um, director's cut yet. Um, they're negotiating. Yes, no director's cut during this release window. Um, I... I looked over included stuff too, and I didn't even see deleted scenes or cut scenes. Yeah, or I, like I that. don't. I think that's done intentionally, um, probably out of respect for JJ, because JJ is a in another piece of news is pushing very hard for Disney to let him release his director's cut. Which brings us yet to another portion of the news, uh, because uh, they're talking about um, which comic book. Star Wars Adventures. It's a IDW property. And they're going in to be going into the whole Rise of Skywalker trilogy uh, or movie. And is it the whole trilogy or just the movie? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. We combined two stories. Yes. They're, okay, so they're, the Rise of Skywalker comic book will have mm-hmm. deleted scenes from the movie in it. Which... Here's the catch. If they don't line up with JJ's stuff, we're never going to see that. That's an interesting point. And I'm hoping there is a strong amount of coordination between JJ and whoever is penning these comics. Which gets Uh, me back to that whole fight that I think is going on about who's going to be controlling the overall story arc of these the the Star Wars um, properties. Well, yeah, I mean, I just assumed that when I heard a Rise of Skywalker comic was coming, that it was just going to be a graphic novel adaptation. But it seems like it's going to be something more than that. Definitely seems like it's going to be something more than that. It sounds like it's going to be a whole lot more telling than um, even the movie was. And again, I, I hope it lines up with J.J.'s stuff. I really do. It, I mean, it better line up with J.J.'s stuff. I mean, that's just the bottom line is J.J. is the author and director of Rise of Skywalker. And if it doesn't line up with his vision, then I think there's a real problem there. Well, and then on top of it, how what what does it say if they're willing to release a story in a comic book form with all these scenes? And even if they match up, isn't that more of a slap in the face to J.J.? Because it's like. Well, uh, we decided not to go with what you did, your story, and the cin- the cin- cin- cinematography you that he used specifically for those scenes that they cut. And then what? They're going to change them. They're going to do different angles. They're going to, I mean, do uh, or even if they just keep it straight the same, why not release the theatrical versions the, the uh, at that point in time? It wouldn't make any fucking sense. 
I mean, not releasing the director's cut when JJ so badly wants it, and I'm pretty sure the majority of the fans so badly want it, just doesn't make sense. Disney is in the movie business for, and the Star Wars business specifically, for one reason and one reason only. They're making this stuff to make money. Now, I'm here to tell you that I am going to be buying Rise of Skywalker on March 17th when it comes out digitally, so I can watch it again at home with my family and have it at my fingertips whenever I want it. If you were to call me on March 18th and tell me that on April 1st, the director's cut was getting released, guess what? You're getting my money on April 1st as well as March 17th. I will buy that director's cut whenever it comes out. That's kind of what I was thinking that the they were Snyder doing. The Snyder cut of Justice League if they ever decide to release it. If they decide to release a director's cut of The Replacements or Jaws or Rocky or any movie that I love that might have more stuff in there, more for me to see, more for me to love, more for me to enjoy, I will buy it. You are only keeping money out of your pocket, Disney, if you don't let him release his director's cut. That's what I think they're doing, though. They, they're they banking on that. So if they release it now and then wait six months and then release it again, or even a month and release it again, it's like, hey, hey, you've already bought it. But now you really want to see those, especially if it's like an hour of extra extra footage. You're like, yeah, oh, I, mean, I got to see what they double, added. Double dipping is sh- certainly something many studios have done. What I'm wondering, actually, is if they will use the director's cut as a Disney Plus exclusive. Oh. And maybe that's where the battle is coming in. Is oh. there like Disney's like, hey, yeah, we'll let you release it, but not the way you want to release it. We want to release it like this. We want to put it on Disney Plus as a platform to generate more subscriptions. But then you don't, uh, th- and then like what, uh, six months down the road, then also release it again for sale because then you're getting the subscriptions. You're getting the original sale, and then you're getting the the secondary sale after of the of the purchasable di- director's cut because Disney Plus you might be able to watch it over and over and over again, but the minute they pull it from the platform, but it's never going to be pulled from the platform. None of the Star Wars stuff, none of the none none of that stuff is ever going to leave that platform ever. That's true. It's never going to leave that platform. I, I mean, I that's can't the reason the whole that. platform exists. One, I, to make money, and two, is so that stuff permanently has a home. Um, but, you know, on a business side and on a business sense, I'm pretty sure 99%, 99% sure that the director's cut is going to be released. But they're not going to tell you they're releasing a director's cut three weeks ahead of the of the planned release of the, the theatrical version. Why? Because people won't buy the theatrical version if they know a director's cut is coming. So, I mean, that's what I think they're doing is I think they're holding off on the news that the director's cut is coming. I bet we hear about it in <coughs> in May. And then I hear that it's going to be a Disney Plus exclusive for a certain amount of time, and then they'll release it on home video. Agreed. Just maximize profit. And um, why not? And you know what? And I'll I'll pay for it. You'll pay for it. My mom will pay for it. Everybody will pay for it. It's true. It's true. And we'll put it. We'll have a smile on our face while we're doing it. Um, That's right. So That's let's right. see. 
<laughs> so moving on to other interesting news beyond just the we'll see what happens with those comic deleted scenes. Uh, hopefully they don't fuck JJ in the ass. Um, but more live action news. Season two of the Mando. They well they picked up a a new female actor or actress. Um, WWE's Sasha ba- Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. Yeah, that's right. Um, had to Google her. I'm, I used to be a WWF as, yeah, as did I, as did I. Um, might speak my age there. Um, and so, but now, yeah, I had no clue. Um, we'll see how she's cast. I, it could go a lot of different ways. I, I'm, you know, I like that they've expanded their, their search to, you know, some of the more physical women, um, in, in the sports that, uh, uh, or entertainment circuits that are out there. So um, we'll see what she can bring to the show. But more than her, I was interested in what you, you what you were talking about uh, with uh, the gentleman we may see on the Mando. Well, yeah. And as it relates to Sasha Banks, I mean, if she's cast in the show, there's that's not necessarily saying that she is going to be in the show. She might just be a voice. I mean, we're talking about a we're talking about a practical effect, heavily costumed show. So there's a chance she might just be voicing someone, a la Nick Nolte voicing Quill. Um, Dude, I think she's going to be Ahsoka. Uh, I mean, maybe that's possible because there's rumors Ahsoka will be appearing on The Mandalorian. I mean, a lot of people, myself included, are hoping that the Ahsoka role, if it ever goes to live action, will be filled by Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, Rosario Dawson is fucking amazing. And two, um, Rosario really, really, really wants to play that role. Okay. So, and Rosario's a major name. An absolute major, major name in Hollywood and an amazing amazing actress uh you know if you're not familiar with her work at this point uh go watch clerks 2 go to netflix and watch their marvel tv shows daredevil luke cage iron fist jessica jones she's in all of them uh, up to a certain point but yeah no she and then you know she's just she's in a lot of stuff she was in zombie land double tap recently she was a brief role in jane silent bob reboot recently so she's awesome she's been wanting to play ahsoka for i think she went vocal about it over a year ago so i don't know what sasha banks looks like i never um yeah i don't know if it's uh, not Hulk Hogan you'd have or to Google Macho her. Man or Ultimate Warrior or The Rock. I think you lost me about the time The Rock left the w- – and Batista, I guess. So we're looking at probably 15 years since I've really paid attention to the WWE. Um, I'm not going to say that she doesn't have a chance because I could totally see it. But that's where I get into uh, – you look at the Sasha Banks gal and, dude, it's like there's so many things about them that are similar. Oh yeah, I can see why. I can see why you would think, why you could think of so. You you googled her, didn't you? If you haven't now, googled her, guys, Google images. Google, yep, yep, yep. And you'll see what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, no, I'm seeing it right here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that that just based upon upon 
having seen the character, like the CGI, what you get with the the Clone Wars stuff, and that's fresh in my mind. And then her f- physically, they they share similarities. Uh yeah, yeah no um. See? Yeah no, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping they would give it to Rosario, but maybe they don't want to spend Rosario money. Um, but hey, it's Favreau. Favreau is making these decisions. So in Favreau, we trust. In Favreau, yep. we trust. So, you know, if Favs says, hey, with Disney's blessing, probably, you're, we want you to play Ahsoka. You know, if Favs makes that call, then Favs makes that call. Right. And hey, at that point in time... Either way, Rosario, uh, uh, Sasha, both both would do. Our, you know, I'm excited to see either. Would you be excited to see either in the role? Um, I'm excited to see the character, and you know, uh, so best of luck to both of them um, for wherever they end up. And if if she does, you know, get one role and the other is another role that we don't know anything about yet, then cool too. I mean. Uh, I'm just excited, you know, yeah, with what you say is in, in Favreau we trust. <coughs> well, I mean, he earned it. Right. I mean, if he didn't earn your trust with Iron Man 1, then, I mean, I don't know what's going to make you trust him. But, ah. I mean, what he did with Mando Season 1, I mean, it's as close to perfect as you're ever going to see. And, I mean, if you listen to the previous episode where we wax pretty poetically for almost two hours about the show, I mean, Favs has definitely built an amazing world, and he cast it perfectly, he wrote it perfectly, he directed it perfectly. I mean, minor missteps in the show, sure, but for the most part, I mean, it is the best Star Wars property we've gotten in a very long time it's been great i mean that that even i've got my feeling is that even it hands down and sorry george um it beats lucas's uh uh, the one two and three trilogy like oh uh, the prequels yeah yeah, the prequels it, it, it beats the prequels sure and and um, George Lucas was the I mean obviously you can see how much he really wanted to make those films uh, when he was making them, um, but beyond that because wasn't there that whole controversy that he was he he didn't really want to be making. He just was doing them as for some sort of fan service or something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I mean, I don't recall ever hearing anything like that. I don't think George Lucas does anything he doesn't want to do. I mean, the guy was a literal billionaire even before he sold the property to Disney, and then he just became a multi-billionaire. Um, <laughs> That's got to be rough. Yeah, no. Right? I mean, um, I don't think George Lucas has ever done anything George Lucas didn't want to do. Once he but, once he had the freedom, uh, which came with the money that he made off of A New Hope. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. That's it's, right. it's not a story I've ever heard, so I don't have any opinion on it. Got it. Um, but even beyond that, it's like it's a testament to the work that uh, uh, Favreau's doing that you see 
that he gets it and is telling the story so well, even better than the guy who created the world in the first place. I mean, to some extent. To some extent, it's better. I mean... Jar Jar Binks? Well, yeah, sure. It's better than that, but is it better than Empire Strikes Back? No. Okay, so I mean... But that's what... That's the... Give George his propers where his propers are due... I'm just saying for the continuation, the complete continuation, because the first three were fantastic in my opinion, and the then one and or okay, the first three, four, five, and six were fantastic. I loved, I loved them all. Um, One and two, I I I love Revenge of the Sith. I think Revenge of the Sith is on par with Return of the Jedi. But I felt like he was in. He actually, and this is, again, gets back into what I I remember from the time, and I can't say it's 100% accurate. I feel like he was into that story. I feel like that was the whole time, that was the, the point he was wanting to lead up to telling, the creation, and how, I mean... From one and uh, from uh, Phantom Menace, and then the um, Attack of the Clones, or was that it? Yes, Attack of the Clones, Phantom right? Menace, yes. Attack of the Clones, Revenge. Forgettable. Of the Sith. Um, anyway, uh, those two just kind of started. They they teased with the idea, but they tried to create this this romanticized version of Anakin of who how good of a Jedi Anakin was and then the Clone Wars continued the the TV series continued to give you what an awesome and amazing Jedi Anakin really was and then you have how he was slighted by these people that were supposedly so good and it's ultimately the combination of manipulation and their slights that lead to his fall. And I think that was just that that the complexity of that story is one that you can, you know, anybody who's told a lot of stories, the easy ones are, you know, quick and dirty. But that one actually has so many different layers that it's a really intriguing story or moment as far as in the saga to tell i mean for sure um i mean anakin's story is complicated to be certain um you know could he have done a better job with the prequel trilogy absolutely there's no one who will ever argue that the prequel trilogy uh, had a lot of missteps. Now it also had there. There's good to be found in all three of those movies. Um, I'm not a prequel defender or a prequel apologizer. Um, I'm never going to plant that kind of a flag to say and try to convince people to like something or dislike something. I don't think that's my place. Um, everybody has wow. a favorite movie, and somebody out there in this world. Their favorite movie is Attack of the Clones. They're not right. They're not wrong. They're allowed to have their favorite movie. Um, there are things about The Phantom Menace and Attack the Attack of the Clones that I love. 
like you kind of get a glimpse of what Jedi are actually were at one point. Um, during those movies, you get to see the force in more display. You get to see more amazing, complex lightsaber battles. Um, you know, the, the stories, the plots were, were fairly weak up until Revenge of the Sith. I mean, a trade dispute being the kind of the catalyst event that launches the galaxy into chaos. Um, no offense, but the acting even. The acting was not strong at all. And well, I mean, Liam Neeson did wonderful, but Liam Neeson always does wonderful. Um, Ewan McGregor, yeah, but it, uh, even Natalie Portman and... and um, the kid they got to play Anakin, it's just Jake it was Lloyd so... in, in Phantom Menace is Jake <sighs> Lloyd. And then it went to Hayden after that for the next two movies. That one specifically was just so rough. And I kept thinking to myself, I, at the same time, I'm not knocking a kid for not being a compelling actor. Um, well, sure. I mean, he was like, what nine or ten when he made those movies at best he's not going to be daniel day lewis right um at the same time i blame the director for not giving the really kind of adequate direction to try and help the kids sell the sell the scene well you know i think part of the issue was i think they were possibly Maybe trying to continue the the tradition that Star Wars started with A New Hope by casting unknowns. Because, I mean, yeah, Harrison Ford had been in some films before A New Hope. And I'm, I I think Carrie Fisher had to. Mark Hamill, I'm not she so was sure a, on. But Carrie Fisher was, was uh, Hollywood royalty kind of thing. Well, yes. No, I mean, she's absolutely Hollywood royalty. Um, but Mark Hamill and... Anyways. Yeah, but, all them. But, I mean, uh, for for her standing on her own two feet, I'm pretty sure A New Hope was probably her first display. Because, I mean, at that time, the only two movies I know of off the top of my head that she was in in that time period were the Star Wars films and then Blues Brothers. Yep. Um, I don't I don't know of anything before A New Hope. Um, I Harrison Ford it, was but... in American Graffiti, which was another George Lucas movie. Kind of like in the Happy Days tradition with Ron Howard and a bunch of other people. It's a wonderful movie. But he was working as a stand-in, right? For, was it, they were trying to get Selleck, wasn't it? Yeah, they were trying to get Tom Selleck to play Han Solo. That was the rumor. And they Uh, they wanted him to be older. And they used Ford, he was working on the set at the time, and they used him kind of as a stand-in. At least that's a story I heard, and then they liked him I think that's the legend. Um, In fact, I heard Robert England talking about this not too long ago because he was Mark Hamill's roommate because I think Robert England went in to maybe try to get a, get the role as Han Solo. Mm, okay. And Robert England played Freddy Krueger. If you don't know who Robert England is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm wondering if they were trying to continue that tradition of they cast unknowns in, in the leads with Jake Lloyd. Um <clears throat> You know, maybe they would have been better served with a Haley Joel Osment or Osmond. I'm sorry. Um, 
but he might have been too old for them. But I mean, maybe you can find a more seasoned child actor who maybe is a little bit older, but they're able to make look a little bit younger. I don't know. Um, right. They're, eh. That the casting element and the choices of some of that, especially the 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 first movie, the uh, Phantom Menace, there were some really nice. I mean, seeing Obi Wan actually and getting a really a nice introduction to him was uh, and his character was really a great moment. I I loved the movie. F- for that part, for seeing him and his interaction as when he was just a young Jedi. Oh yeah. He was, was just a Padawan and he was kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. And so his progression, even through those movies made those movies, even attack of the clones worthwhile. But overall, it's again, there's just question. It's like, it's like the, what you were saying about the, the, second or the third trilogy there were questionable aspects but then there were other parts of it that were that were moving and compelling that uh were were great great cinematic moments um uh so take it for what it is and and the whole of the story i I really yeah i yeah, I really, well, I mean, but yeah. that's we're not here to to pick apart Pot the uh, the prequels. Um, um, we'll no. have shows dedicated to that at some point down the line, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, what's our next? Uh, what's our next <coughs> news item? Oh, more comic book stuff. Uh, Star Wars Adventures. This is okay. Uh, so this is of... where the Star Wars Adventures story comes in. Yeah, and yeah. this is an interesting one. This is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. I think it might be the most interesting bit of news we have this week. Well, this one says this one was that they're going to keep doing uh, in case you were worried that you're not going to see your favorite characters from the new trilogy in additional content there. They have doubled down that they are going to be making a comic book uh, comic books, including the future of like Ray, Poe and Finn um, after Rise of Skywalker, which is kind of a contradiction of what we've been hearing right i mean a little bit i've i've heard i've heard multiple contradicting stories on both fronts that you know the the new actors are done that they're not done that ray's going to appear in future in future movies and you know some of the others might come along or that they're not going to do it but idw is going to relaunch the star wars adventures um title they're apparently their current run is going to end at like episode or i'm sorry issue 32 i think is what was said and then they're going to relaunch with these stories that take place post rise of skywalker where our heroes can are continuing to apparently deal with what remains of the first order now if this goes in line with what they've done with a lot of Star Wars properties, I take the time off. They're going to take five years, ten years off, and then they. And if they tell like comic books and all these other things that progress the story during these times, but not exactly, um, you know, they don't do anything with it other than progress it. 
they could always come back and then use that uh, as a catapult catalyst into another another movie with the same characters that they've just used in the comic books. It's like I don't. Well, know. yeah, for I, sure. I feel they like can, it's just a stage. They can use it to set up the next movie if the if even one or two of those cast members decide to come back. They they have they have next movie uh, story fodder already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I really yeah, feel I mean, it's it'll be phase. interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I assume if we're going to get a new Ray, Finn, and Poe movie at some point, I don't think it's going to be too far in the future that we hear about it because we have a lot of Star Wars projects that have been announced or that are at least being developed movie-wise that are coming. And so if they're going to continue those stories, I don't think they're going to want to wait incredibly long to get those three back if they decide to come back right Uh, yet at the same time you look at what they did with i mean hamill and uh um ford and all the like all the original carrie fisher the original cast and how they brought him back to the movie after say you know 30 years or whatever um and then you also look at with like Obi Wan and Ewan McGregor. He did it. He was a young Ewan McGregor, and the next time he he's you you see him age. But now we're getting not just a young Ewan McGregor or aging. Ewan, we're getting just a, a po like a pre um, um, New Hope Ewan McGregor, and he's naturally aged. Um, not not just not just uh, Hollywood <coughs> movie prop. Kind of, or or theatrical makeup aged, but he's actually aged properly. Um, so it's one that I'm I could see them looking at somebody and say, no, you you you're this role for life, and if we decide to make this movie, your contract is for the next bleh, amount of years. Uh I mean, yeah, it's I don't know. There's. There's a it's lot Disney. of questions floating about <laughs> the about the the, the, the new trilogy cast. Um, I there's a part of me that wonders if the fate of those actors hangs on DVD slash digital release sales when Rise of Skywalker hits here in just a few weeks. Could be, could be. We'll have to see. So yeah, yeah. Um. um so we did accidentally glaze over something hmm. uh, that you brought up in a previous news story. And so we're going to bounce back just briefly real Excuse quick uh, to the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Lucasfilm apparently wants Han Solo to appear in the Mandalorian. Yes, that's what we, we I got sidetracked and was it was that was I was getting to that, but never really did. Yeah. Hand. Yeah, we went off. We turned left on a dirt road and went down that road. And now we're back on the highway. Yeah. So what's what's your thought about that? It better be Harrison Ford. They're gonna That's have to do the thought. aging trick. It, it can't be as I mean, I I didn't dislike Solo, but it's not my favorite movie. I thought Alden Emmerich, if that's how you pronounce his name, I'm horrible at pronouncing names that aren't things like, you know, Bob Jones or Josh Smith or Kevin Smith or whatever. You know, if it's a basic name, I've got it. But I mean, beyond that, I might have issues. Um, I thought he was fine, uh, especially 
he worked with what he was given and we know how troubled that movie was from the get-go and you know we ended up getting uh, the ron howard vision of that movie in the end but if you're going to have han solo post return of the jedi on the mandalorian it goddamn well better be harrison ford now it sounds like the only thing you need to do to convince harrison ford to do it is to give him a reason or a story that makes sense for him to be in do i think he'll appear more than once probably not i think it'll be a one-off they'll de-age him cgi wise use his voice get done what they want to get done but i'm not i'm not sure how i feel about them just dropping the character in for the sake of dropping the character in there better be a good story reason I mean, because you don't need to bring me to the Mandalorian by teasing Han Solo. The Mandalorian already has me. It had me in the first five minutes of the first show of the first show because I mean, it's awesome. It was well done. Agreed. So, so don't it better be Harrison, shit. and it better be worth it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, have, don't have a real me. reason to bring him on. Otherwise, don't just give me some like you know fanboy kind of ha- have a have a have a reason behind it. Agreed. Um, so then I guess the next, the next part we get to is one that I want, want to go, you know, that ties us all the way back to our very, very first bit of news, um, a whole 45 minutes ago. Um, (laughs) do you guys remember that? I hope so. Cal Kestis. Um, so the next bit of news we want to talk about is Exegol. How does um, Cal Kestis tie into Exegol, buddy? Oh, you you want to know, don't you? I um, do want to know. Well, this is kind of where I'm I'm just kind of teasing down and I'm teasing around um, and because there's a lot of ways they can go and there's a lot of news out there. Um, it's and I did question again a little bit about how do you do a story about say the an imperial or even say the sith without having some kind of light at the end of the tunnel or some kind of not redemption story but some something some quality that brings people into understanding the character and and supporting them and investing in them right uh yeah sure so um so i'm assuming it, you're referring somewhat vaguely to the i guess officially announced or planned or talked about rumored movie uh that is supposed to take place on the sith planet exegol that we saw in rise of skywalker exactly and it's supposed to kind of uh give you an idea of how potentially some people are saying maybe uh give you an idea of of how Palpatine was able to do what he did. The Sidious was able to uh, get enough people to uh, amass or to to run all the star destroyers that he was flying that were flying. Um, all those different questions that that they're kind of wondering if they aren't answered, which uh, ties us into some more news that we talked about on previous shows about. Um, KOTOR 2 and KOTOR and the Star Forge and everything like that. Um, so then we get into the reworking of KOTOR. 
all of a sudden I'm starting to see like things lining up and Cal Kestis is just kind of uh, a, a potential that you could use. I'm not saying that it would be that they even have the idea to use him, but we're going to use him as an example, right? So, and this is just me and seeing, looking at how things could possibly line up. If you brought Cal into live action, right, and you didn't just keep Cal, say, Jedi, you kind of tease, because you, you kind of see with, uh, what's her name, um, the the Jedi that cut herself off from the Force, uh, I forgot her name in the game. Oh, in Fallen Order? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember her name either, but... Um, si- si- uh, something or anyway. Um, Seer? Seer? C-E-R-E, maybe? I think it was, I think that might be it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, she she kind of gives into the dark side. I, I always feel like she almost has this still kind of flirtation with the dark side, right? I, like, and I... That kind of always makes me wonder how much it has, how much of a root it took in Cal's head, right? So if you continue to go down this road where Cal maybe just slips and slips and slips, and then Exegol and all these different things, you could even have Exegol as the as where Revan goes to because he hears like after the Mandalorian Wars. Uh, or with uh, the whole of Mandalorian Wars, Exegol could be the place after he kills Mandalore uh, that it, Mandalore was talking about, and that's where Revan goes that his ultimate fall happens. You could start tying this all entire story back into this whole, in, into Exegol, and with all the news that's hitting, I'm I'm wondering if we're not going to get some kind of Revan story um, with the Starforge as the explanation for how Sidious was able to amass such an army. Um, well, it, well, let me let me interrupt because mm-hmm. they have said already in it might have been the Visual Dictionary even, which has been the source for a lot of information that the the film didn't get us that members of this Sith Eternal cult are apparently influential some of them obviously not all of them but some of them are influential rich and powerful people uh and known people in the galaxy not known to us but it's like ceos of corporations including corporations that build starships and apparently these these corporations that were headed by members of the sith eternal is how that fleet was built the materials and the equipment and and even people were brought to Exegol to to build this fleet. That is supposedly, um, and I think it has to be the Visual Dictionary because I did read this uh, a month okay. or two ago. But that is supposedly how that wow. fleet was built. That's a lot of people that went completely under the radar. It is a lot of people. But I mean, in a galaxy of trillions, if a few hundred thousand, you know, slowly over time go missing or whatever, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, and then and it's over we don't how know many years at what point this fleet started getting constructed either. It could have been underway during the re- the rebellion, and so who right. who would even notice or be able to to police or keep track of that? 
I don't know. I'm just I'm feeling like there's going to be some kind of tie in to even if it's just this, it's like that you go back. Uh, I mean, you go back to the old times and this is where Exegol's where uh, Sidious finds out first about uh, Revan and some of the old Sith Lords and the that whole uh, what is it? Sith Eternal or whatever. It wasn't yeah, the founded yeah, the Sith Eternal. Although I'm pretty sure Palpatine was aware of the Sith Eternal, because <laughs> it seems like he maybe had some of those, some people from the that cult working for him in one capacity or another. Right, which is entirely possible. I'm just, but he had to have found it at some time and adopted or decided the culture was going to be his culture. Um, well, I mean, maybe Plagueis knew about it when he took Palpatine as his as his heir he led him there i mean maybe it's maybe it's the maybe it's the best kept sith secret in the galaxy you know that this planet has been there the whole time and this cult has been there the whole time i mean they just they didn't tell us anything about it but you know i imagine some of that will be touched on in this movie that is supposedly exclusively going to take place on exegol and they don't state that it actually has to do with Sith. It just says that it has to do with uh, explaining the planet, the Sith, and explaining the Sith and the Sith legends surrounding it kind of thing. It, it doesn't say that it's, it's specifically about who it's about. So, again, it could be even, you could even get, like, uh, the Cal Kestis on Exegol, um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just see there's just a lot of stuff that could potentially line up to be kind of exciting, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, they certainly have a big, wide open uh, playing field when it comes to a movie about that planet. Uh, they can literally almost do whatever they want. So uh, I'm sure details will be forthcoming from both the studio and the director and the writer. Uh, so hopefully they're they're gearing up for a good story, right? I, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear where it where it goes. Um, it could go horribly off in the wrong direction, but you know, we'll we'll see what they give us. And um, I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah, me too. Me too. Definitely about um, all of it. I am. That's that's my attitude towards almost any new project from anybody these days. Is I am cautiously optimistic. So, speaking of optimistic on some of the things, and we touched a little about it um, before my complete recording went off the hook or off the rails uh, last show, um, but I was talking about the armorer um, and the whole Maldalorian bit. Yes, which the, the term Maldalorian got trending on Twitter the other day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what were, I didn't get to hear what you were thinking of that really yet. Um, what, what do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, about the armor's helmet specifically? Um, whether or not we're going to actually see that, that sect of Mandalorian introduced because it, during, well, I mean, I don't know if show. we'll see it in the show, but we're certainly seeing it in the new comic series, Darth Maul, son of Dothamir. Uh, we will be seeing these Maldalorians, at least to some extent. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think the spikes on her helmet are big enough 
Like they don't. They yes, they're spikes, but they don't necessarily remember resemble like the crown of horns that uh, these Zabrak have. See, and I thought when I first saw her that that they kind of did. They reminded me of that. At the same time, I could see how they're. I mean, they're not. I just, I'm, I'm curious to see curious to see how it all shakes out because I feel like the Mandalorian's helmets are very uh, sacred, ceremonial kind of things. Beyond, obviously, they don't take them off, uh, but. I also feel like they're kind of a display of status or symbol uh, 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 belief. I don't know, but I feel like there's more to them than we currently are are aware. Well, I mean, there certainly seems to be a lot to them. I mean, they can't take them off in front of any other living being until they're ready to be done uh, in service as a Mandalorian. Um, it if definitely... the horns are meant to signify... <clears throat> devotion to to Maul's sect of Mandalorians and they're meant to maybe show status, then her status within that that sect is pretty low because those horns are kind of tiny. <laughs> Itty bitty. So it's just, it was it was something that I had noticed that uh, with the whole Ma- Maldalorian stuff trending uh, that I just kind of, it, it made me scratch my head. But but with the whole Maldalorian thing trending, there's a reason why that's trending. Beyond and the comic book, obviously, it's coming. Maul's getting his show, and Clone Wars season seven launched Friday. Yes, Friday the twenty first, uh, which is yesterday at the time of this recording, uh, and you'll be hearing this episode in not too many days after that episode launched and so we are uh we are going to be dedicating this episode and the next episodes for the upcoming future to covering that new season that final season of the great uh animated series clone the clone wars so without further ado how about we get into get into our topic yeah yeah let's do it so so um uh, this was announced almost two years ago, I think, at uh, at D23, that we were going to be getting a seventh season. Been a long wait. Clone Wars. Been a long um, wait. Yeah. And I feel like the see, I feel like the the first episode, in a lot of ways, it it delivered, but um, and you got to see the characters, uh, Anakin. I don't know. That was a nice thing to see him looking like he Revenge of the Sith, Anakin. It's like yeah, yeah. They... I mean, I was a little surprised that the first episode went the direction that it went. Yeah, um, me too. Because we, I was expecting it to be full on Anakin with a little Ahsoka thrown in, and instead it was a full episode with dedicated completely to the clones. Except for a very brief appearance at the beginning of Anakin and Mace Windu and their, the talk of their fighting on this shipyard planet and things aren't going well uh, and that the, the Republic might be defeated at this planet and which will put the whole war effort in jeopardy. Uh, and then we see Rex and Cody uh, come to speak to Mace Windu and Anakin uh, 
about how the the battle droid army apparently has this algorithm where they're capable of learning and repelling the tactics of the clones. And Rex Rex has a hunch though, dude. And Rex does have a hunch that because he recognizes the tactics as maybe being those of a clone that we thought has been dead for quite some time named Echo. Well, and really quick, though, I want to go back uh, to one thing that you did note about the episode that we get a whole lot of clones this episode. Very little anybody or anything else. And um, having watched some of like season one uh clone war season one uh the i want to say third episode very similar in that sense that it just uh, and even the first uh first episode itself you had yoda um and you really got introduced to the clones and their person you know the fact while they all look the same they're all copies of of Django, they were all different um, so I feel like this was kind of a nice um, nod to to the original series and the, where it originally started, and also a nice tack on add on because as you go through and they realize that um, they need more firepower pow- and help, that what who who sends for uh, clone unit ninety nine. I believe it was Rex, wasn't it, that summoned Clone Unit 99? I'm not sure. I think it, it was Rex or Cody. It was one of yeah. the two. But I believe, I'm pretty sure it was Rex. Um, Rex seemed to be very familiar with them, where Cody did not. Um, unless I'm just confusing, confusing things, but... Cody um, was in the yellow armor, and he actually... Yes. I felt Cody actually had some rep... Uh, like a uh, repertoire with a uh, freaking hunter. Um, yeah. And they listened yeah. and talked pretty well. Rex, I feel un- knows him, but I don't think he, he has as much uh, relationship or person, uh, dialogue with them, you know, or I mean, had up to that the, point. The whole, I mean, I only watched the episode once mm-hmm. um, just because of time restraints. I didn't get a chance to watch it again to kind of commit more of it to memory. Um, but I mean, the whole idea about the operation, about going after the the droid or the the separatist, uh, what do they call it, a cyber center, mm-hmm. that all came from Rex, and so that's why I'm, I my brain seems to be locked in that he's the one that summoned. I feel like yeah, because he what he wanted to know, and I think what I felt by the end of the episode was he wanted to identify how the algorithm that they were using to break their plan and figure them out. And what he found out, well, we'll get to there in the end because uh, he finds out. Um, but uh, yeah, he, it was Rex. Rex was behind it. This was Rex's Rex's idea, Rex's plan to figure out how they were breaking his algorithms, his plans. Or I mean, you don't want to. Yeah. And, and so they are going to launch a behind the enemy lines mission to this separatist, uh, this separatist control center, to uh, to access the data files to hopefully learn something about the algorithm and what's going on. But in order to get this done, they're they're going to need help, and they don't want to involve the Jedi. So we see for the first time, 
in the history of the show. The inclusion of clone units that <laughs> came out with mutations that seem to be unique, I think is what they said, is how they put yes. it, is that these clones have unique mutations. Uh, and they form their own special unit uh, called Unit 99, or as they refer to themselves as the Bad Batch, which is also the title of the episode, The Bad Batch. I liked them. <laughs> I liked them a lot too. I mean, were they were they obvious archetypes? Yes, totally, one hundred percent. You've seen characters like all of them in various movies throughout our lives for sure. And I felt um, they just played that up on purpose. I really, it was a nice. I felt it was a nice nod to all those action movies that we. Yeah, watched. no, it was great. I have no complaints about the episode. Um, so you kind of get introduced uh, the four members of the unit, and each one of them seems to have their own specialty. You've got the sniper, you've got the tech guy, you've got the muscle, and then you've got like the the grizzled, hardened, experienced battle commander. Um, and they, uh, you know, they have a would you say derogatory term for non unique mutated clones? They call them regs. Regs. R-E-G-S, they're regs. We don't really work with the regs very much, you know, or whatever. Um, the regular ones, right? <laughs> yeah, just the regular clones. You're just a regular clone. We're special clones. But they launch on the mission. Uh, we see their gunship get shot down in fairly short order, um, which, you know, was probably a little predictable, but whatever. Um, Although I did like, the, what was it, the line? the uh, Oh, I think the explosion gave our position away. Really? It wasn't yeah, the crash? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, so writing. they get shot down. They get, they, we see Wrecker, the big muscle-bound clone from, uh, from the Bad Batch, lift the whole remains of the gunship off to rescue it was cody right it was cody that was trapped in the wreckage right yep yep cody was trapped underneath to rescue cody um and then we see that the separatists have sent a clone or i'm sorry a droid force to to investigate the crash and it appears to be you know 50 75 uh battle droids with uh with some support and then we get to see the bad batch in action for the first time rex says everybody take cover and they say nah we prefer to take things head on and then we start seeing their tactics and their fighting style and you know wrecker is holding a piece of of plating as armor as like mobile cover as they're moving forward and hiding behind it they're calling out coordinates and they're throwing you know, EMP grenades that are frying the droids. Shooting then, them in the air. Uh, dude, that was such an awesome scene. Yeah, and then, you know, shooting the the grenades, and then they start going ham with, with knives and and their blasters, and they, they slaughter the whole unit with relative ease. Yeah, even the spider freaking droids. Dude, that was a good, that was, that was a nice scene. I like how they did it, and the CGI is crisp. It's yeah, crazy. yeah, that was one thing I was going to comment on at the start, but then I decided to save it for the end is I really the animation style hasn't changed from from the the previous seasons, but you can definitely see that it's newer CGI. 
it's better frame rate it's better animated of course you know technology has come a long way since the clone war uh originally ended its its run um so you would definitely get to see more modern animation put on display and yeah the show looks great they're 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 taking full advantage of the technological advancements that have occurred yeah absolutely so so they end up uh getting the drop on everybody and moving up to the it's not the the communication center but it's the uh, a lookout yeah it's an outpost, outpost uh in proximity to the cyber center and you've that's this is also the first time you get uh introduced to kind of i i he's not the primary villain but or is i don't know who how you would describe the spider he's not the primary villain but it's it's it seems like they have, and this is a theme that they've kind of gone with over the course of the Clone Wars, is that is depending on what planet or theater of action you're in, you're dealing with a, a different separatist commander. And so this is the, uh, I can't remember his name, because I don't think they said it in this new episode. And in, in my rewatch of the original airing of the original episodes, I never got to where he was introduced. Um, but he's an arachnid spider looking guy. Um and so yeah, he's the, the commander of the separatists in this in this region or this theater of action. Yeah. And uh he basically tells the droids to go after them and yeah, you get to see at that point, this point with at the outpost Rex decides to employ um the bad batches combat strategies rather than what he had previously come up with yeah and they they go in and in short order wreck shop and and take over the uh take over the installation um and then they kind of regroup for the final push on the cyber center which is a nice that that whole i mean the whole progression of it even how you see the his even while they don't talk about it once you get they get to the cyber center um, you see the advance of kind of Rex's new kind of planning, the the new way of his thinking, um, because he he requests that that one guy, the the electronics guy, tech guy, let him know exactly the moment that they get to the outpost. And yeah, I that felt the pursuing that was a, droid army. Or droid force that is chasing them. They're barely. It seems like they're the clones are like a half step ahead of the droids the whole episode. Right, and I feel like that was a strategy though that he used to, as far as to, even if it was just timing. I wished I would have seen something like they employed some thermal detonators and blown everybody up in the freaking outpost. But yeah, actually I thought that's what was going to happen. And that's why he kept asking him, let me know when they're there is I thought he was going to trigger some sort of trap, but nothing of that happened. And I mean, which was really interesting because yeah, they got, they, they overwhelmed the force at the cyber center, but the droid reinforcements that came up almost took them out. Um, right and i felt like that they could have done something at that point to to change that outcome but at the same time they used the outpost as a nice little bit of distraction and also kind of uh, a timer 
you know, uh, to, to, we, it's in and out operation kind of thing. And, you know, they're moving their ass now. Um, but I, I, I felt I wanted something to be blown up at that point in time and it didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, like I said, it definitely like the tone of the show kind of pointed in that's what was going to happen. And then when it didn't happen, I was a little surprised. Um, but you know, we got a nice kind of extended battle sequence of them fighting into the cyber center and then the rest of the clones covering for Rex as Rex dug into the computer to try to determine the source of the the algorithm that's causing the droids to be able to counter the clones' tactics and defeat them. Um, so, yeah, we, we see a lot of, again, blaster, grenades, knives. We see the sniper element of the Bad Batch just picking droids off like it's nothing. Uh, and his evac moves, dude. That the, those that was another cool portion that I liked of it is uh, when they told the sniper, "We need a way out of here," kind of thing. Uh, and he was able to use his position to identify a vehicle, and they they utilized aspects of the group in a way that I felt was fluid and. Uh, used accurately uh yeah yeah i would feel like that's how that would be done um you know each uh i mean although at the same time though as close as those super battle droids were to the to the clones like they were literally in a hallway within feet of each other i'm i'm just i'm a little shocked that the showrunners or the animators or whoever made that call let them get that close because it's that was weird too that nobody got hit yeah i was wondering that same thing i was thinking wow that they're really fucking close how's anybody missing anything i mean it's like that it's like pulp fiction you know when that dude comes out of the bathroom (laughs) and opens up on samuel L. jackson and john travolta and they're just completely untouched (laughs) and then you know and then that's when samuel L. jackson has his his religious awakening that god spared them from the bullets and everything but yeah i mean they were literally like on top of each other shooting and shooting and nobody but droids got hit (laughs) damn fucking droids and stormtroopers <laughs> yeah. So, but um, so Rex Rex discovers who the source of the algorithm uh, and where the algorithm is coming from. So he recognizes Echo, the call sign. Echo's call call. Echo's call sign. CT what was it? C one zero four nine, I believe. Something, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, and then we see the. The clones get evac'd by the skin of their teeth and get away, and it's on that evac where he reveals what the what that call sign meant and who it is, and that they you know they have their next target lined up, and then I think we flash to the separatists kind of cleaning up after, and they're talking to the uh, they're talking to the the commander the the separatist spider commander guy. And they reveal that they didn't steal any data, but that they, you know, investigated something and traced a signal back to the, I can't remember the name of the planet, um, but that they traced their signal. And that seemed to cause some concern with the, with the separatist commander. And that was where the episode ended. Yep. That 
it was it was quick. I mean, they're not long episodes. I didn't feel like no I mean, twenty two minutes. I think all the episodes are going to be a universal twenty to twenty two minutes, and I believe we're getting twelve of them total. But man, I do I do hope towards the end of the season we get some some giant sized episodes. Agreed. Like kind of what even what the Mandalorian did at the very. I mean it it kept get teasing us with some non-conformist times but that last episode of what 48 minutes or whatever it was 48 minutes yeah yeah that was nice i i appreciated that so hopefully they give us a little bit more and don't tease us with all these short little because the format they they have as much time as they fucking want no commercials and they don't have to fit it into a tv slot so stop playing with these fucking 22 minutes of you know episode that i don't know it just feels asinine and and cheap i mean i'm just i want them to be able to tell all the story and i mean obviously this story that they're telling with the current group of clones is going to have some sort of repercussion down the line or some sort of tie into something else otherwise they wouldn't be bothering to tell it um there's plenty of other areas that they need to touch on and that people want them to touch on that they wouldn't spend time on the clones without reason. So one interesting thing that I read was specifically the, their genetic programming, um, like, like droids, they're programmed quote unquote to support the, uh, the empire or the, uh, they, they're with, uh, um, I almost said Republic, but, um, the the Imperials, right? Well, it's, no, they're with. Or, well, I mean, okay, so yes, right now they're they're programmed to do both. They're programmed to support the Republic, but then when Order sixty six is given, they're they're programmed to then follow whoever gave that order. Yeah, which was uh, which would be the uh, what they would consider the continuation continuation of the Republic. That's what I was trying. So they're they're geared to to all to genetically follow the Republic and support the Republic. And that's the interesting part that you have with echo going on right now is if he's helping the separatists, he's completely going against his programming. Now, IG 11 that we saw in the Mandalorian when it didn't go, couldn't go against his programming. He was repurposed, but his programming was still very intact. So, I mean, I know these are clones and such, but I don't know. I kind of feel like um, it's the same kind of thing. You're not you, you're not going to mess with that that programming that they've done for the clones. Yes, so but we have what's seen more the clones betray the Republic already <laughs> in the earlier seasons. We saw a clone feeding information to the separatists. Hmm. So I forgot clearly at some point or another, maybe with strong enough outside influence or strong enough emotion, their programming can be broken and ignored. Okay. True. Okay. Good point. Good point. So, but anyway, um, I feel an overall very strong intro to the new season, to the final season. And I can't wait for Fridays to roll around. My only Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, my only complaint about the whole thing, it comes down to the time. I, I I want to see more time devoted to telling the stories. 
other than that, I I can't think of anything really bad to say about him at all so far. I mean that that episode one was awesome. I just felt for uh, intro for the whole um, premiere, they should have gone with more than twenty two minutes. It would have been nice, but hey, I'll take whatever I can get. Word. Um, so, but yeah, so next week um, we will be back with the next episode of uh, not only the Broom Boys, but of Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 2. We'll, uh, that and along with whatever amazing news and rumors pop up over the course of the next week, that will be the topic of discussion. So, we hope you guys have enjoyed this little trek down uh, Star Wars well, discussion. Well, Trek into Star Wars. I mean, right. as much as I hate saying Trek Star and Star together on a Star Wars podcast, yeah. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at Broom underscore Boys on Twitter. Please follow. Please reach out. Please share the podcast. Rate and review the podcast on whatever medium you uh, are listening to it on. And... Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments about anything we've brought up, if something has caught your eye that you said like to add to, um, uh, or even say, you know, it couldn't be, I know about this, by all means, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reach out. We reach out. We're there. We will so, respond. I guess the best thing to say is I'm Guy. And I'm Buddy, and we have spoken. 